like to direct your attention tonight. Um, I don't really plan on keeping you all that long tonight. Uh, unless you just want to stay real long. You can stay here as late as you want to. But um, when I'm done and God's done, we're just, we're done. So got a few things we need to talk about here tonight. Matthew chapter number 19. Hallelujah. And two verses of scripture, verse number 13, says this. Then were there brought unto him little children. Everybody said little children. That he should put his hands on them. Touch them. And pray, and the disciples rebuke them. Now, don't be too hard on the disciples. They are unregenerated at this point and incredibly ignorant. But nonetheless, I love the Bible. It's so unvarnished. It just tells the truth without any type of gloss or worrying about anybody's feelings. The disciples rebuked them. Jesus responded in verse 14, but Jesus said, suffer, little children. That word suffer there means to allow. To allow them to do this. Suffer, little children, and forbid them not to come unto me for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed thence. I want to talk to us uh, for a few moments tonight with the help of the Holy Ghost about the age of accountability. The age of accountability. And everybody said, praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your people. What an incredible environment is here tonight. We're thankful for it all. We pray that you talk to us, God. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> This passage um, that we read in your hearing tonight really doesn't need any introduction or any commentary. It's very self-explanatory. I would like to just furnish, if I could, just one notable statement about this it's i don't think it's just that jesus is permitting the children to come unto him i think jesus wants the little children to come unto him um because the next verse says 
for such is the kingdom of heaven. Which means not just the availability of God. If, if God was not available, neither would it be the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And there is, there's a difference between the two. Some places there's not, but theologically there is a difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. But not only is God available, but he wants to be accessible. It's one thing to be, to have God be available. It's another thing to, to make it where God is accessible. He's you can, you can get him. You can get a hold of God. You can, you can get what God is offering, in this case, to children. And it's a beautiful illustration that Jesus took advantage of when he said, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Not just that Jesus is approachable and available, but that he is accessible. You're free to come to him. Isn't that wonderful? Why don't we just lift our hands and love him right now for that? Why didn't somebody just take advantage of that? We're, we're invited to come boldly because he is available, and I thank God for that. I thank God for that. But the disciples <clears throat> rebuked the children. Probably it went something like, don't bother the master. Don't, don't. You know, this is for adults. You know, we're, Peter's got his keys and the son of thunder got their fire and everybody's getting their position and they're just, this isn't for kids. And Jesus sets the record very quickly and he sets it very straight. This is for kids. Look at your neighbor and say, this is for kids. When we talk about the age of accountability, we are talking about, by definition, when an individual is responsible for their decisions, responsible for their choices, and responsible for their actions. And no two children are alike. Um, my wife and I raised two children. My daughter is here. She's a married woman. She's a mother. We are now grandparents, happy grandparents. Um, but we raised a couple children. And if you were going to try to tell me that they were a lot alike, I would tell you that you don't know what you're talking about. Um, and some of you parents that are out there, you understand exactly what I'm saying. You can have two children. They can even sleep in the same room. They can be raised in the same house. They can be raised at the same table. They can raid the same pantry. They can absolutely remove all of the food in a 24-hour period from the refrigerator. I don't know how Brother and Sister Sergeant did it. When I think of Darren and Dalen and Derek... I'm thinking, man, I can only imagine what it was like to keep 
that refrigerator full of food. It's, it's not easy. But no two children grow at the same rate. And if you've got more than two, then you're blessed. You're blessed. Your quiver is, is not full. As the pastor, our definition of a full quiver is eight children. So keep going. I'm just kidding. But you understand that if you even have more than two, that it's a, it's a real deal. And um, I was raised in a little bit of a larger family. I'm not, you know, my dad is 95. My mother passed away after I had been in the church for just a short amount of time. And I don't, I don't believe in kicking your parents to the curb. Um, I, don't, I just don't believe that. I believe that we should be as respectful as we can if for no other reason just because I'm in the world because of them. Shouldn't be silent right now. It's part of the problem. Um, my mom and dad just had too many kids, frankly. Because children, in order to be, in my opinion, I know this now because I've had enough years I've lived for God longer than I live for the devil or live for myself. And so I've had a lot of time to analyze and, and stick under the magnifying glass of introspection of why I am like I am and why I, why I do the things I do and why my siblings are the way they are. And I understand that, you know, you get to a certain age and, 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 Life is what you make it. But the reality of it is, if you're really going to have a lot of children, you need to have a lot of emotional and mental resource to be able to individuate. Give each child the individual time and care to develop that unique personality that they have. I'm not getting very many amens right now, but that's okay. I'm, this is the truth anyhow. You don't want other people doing that. Come on, somebody. You don't want the world doing that. And ladies and gentlemen, if you don't do it, the world is available to do that. You don't want some kid on a playground doing that. You don't want some kid that's on coming from a home where drugs and alcohol and these kinds of things are already acceptable, part of the norm doing that. You want to be able to do that. And somebody said, praise the Lord. If you cannot do that, you should not have that many kids. And I just think that my mom and dad, for where their marriage was, they, they divorced after 25 years of marriage, which I'll never understand all that, but it's just something I have to live with. But... Um, but they didn't, they tried, they tried to raise all my brothers and I um, all the same way. And that was a disaster. Um, I really believe that all of my siblings, and this, I'm sorry, I'm 
probably walking too far down this road, but since I'm on this road, I might as well get to the end of it. I really believe that my siblings are incredibly capable and talented people, but they are so misguided, and I pray for them. Pray for your lost family. Pray for your last family. In fact, let's take a moment right now to, to pray. God, I pray. I don't, God, whatever it takes. We're living at the end of this thing. God, get creative if you have to, but whatever it takes, save my family. In Jesus' name. When we talk about the age of accountability, we're talking about a child that, or an individual, a person, that is able to comprehend the gospel, comprehend Jesus, comprehend authority, comprehend their own actions, their own words, Maybe not like an adult, but just to comprehend that. Um, as I've read in this scripture here this morning, or pardon me, tonight, it's Jesus is saying, suffer the little children to come unto me. Allow the little children to come unto me. And I'm really excited that just here in the last month, we have baptized all kinds of children. I think we ought to thank God for that. I don't know how many we baptized. 10, 15, something like that. It's just, just been amazing. The Sunday school department has been doing a phenomenal job. And, and there's other people involved and bus ministry and all this. And it's just so exciting to see children baptized in Jesus' name. And so I don't believe that you could, it's definable according to an age. You may have, my wife um, was baptized and got the Holy Ghost when she was six. Um, I got baptized and I got the Holy Ghost when I was 30. Uh, my children were very young when they were baptized and got the Holy Ghost. My grandson, Miles, was baptized. I still have it. It's a screensaver on my, on my computer where he's coming out of the water. Um, was very young. There are some people that think that that is wrong because they don't feel, listen, you're not a judge of that. The judge should be that when that child understands that there is a God and that I have the potential to do wrong things and I need a savior. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get that life in the water as soon as we can. I, I'm a big believer. Even Jesus said, let him come to me. I'd rather, I'd rather get them in the supernatural corrective shoes as quickly as possible. Hallelujah. Brother Cody Marks said it best. He said, 
If I was looking to raise a family, this is the church I'd go to. Why? Because we've got a Sunday school department that is par excellent. We've got, stand up, young man. Yeah, you. Look at this incredible specimen of masculinity here. Look at that. Thank you. You can be seated. He's one of our ambassadors. We've got young men all over this, all over this congregation that are ambassadors, not ushers. They're ambassadors. Their whole role is to serve. You say, well, I, I don't want my child to be a part of that. Why? Why would, you, why would you get in the way of allowing God to develop them for life? You're going to be the same people that are complaining in 20 years that I can't get my kids to get involved in the things of God. If you'll take the time and spend the time so they can learn the Bible, I, they don't have to be national champions, but they love Jesus Christ and the power of the word of God. They have already proven. I don't even know who did this kind of a, um, they proved that 85% of children that are involved with Bible quizzing do not backslide. It's just a fact of church life that some people are going to backslide. I hate it. I don't, I'm not predicting it. I don't want it. I, 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 it. It grieves me at the deepest levels that people would backslide. But I'll tell you one way that we can ensure that they don't backslide is you're going to have to understand there's some things more important than just laying around. There's some things more important than a daily schedule that comes to a place. Not my will, but thy will be done. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. It's not an inconvenience when you're sitting around a Thanksgiving dinner in 30 years and all of your children are in the Holy Ghost and all, come on somebody, there is nothing like this. Suffer not the children to come unto me. The age of accountability is just too difficult to define because no two children are alike. My wife and I were uh, going out to eat um, just a couple months ago. We just, after Sunday service, we went out to the restaurant to get something to eat, and Nora wanted to bring a friend. What was that? That's a human being, a very happy human being. She, uh, Nora said, can I bring a friend? Yeah, you can bring a friend. So my wife and I are sitting there eating, and coming up to the table is Sophia. I have never met somebody under four feet tall that could run the universe, but I'm positive that this young girl could run the universe. She was so engaging. 
She was so, I'm going to tell you, kids are amazing. And you know what? Some of you older ones need to pray through and get a renewed appreciation for the resource that's in the kingdom of God. I thank God for every one of these kids. They're not a waste of time. They're not a burden. My God, I'm going to preach here tonight. I need somebody to help me. I'm coming after a spirit that says, I want these kids. But first, I got to take care of the adults. I'm rebuking you by the authority of the name of Jesus. You've got no place here. You've got no part in this. Somebody shout back there. You better thank God for a church that wants your children. Hallelujah. Let me tell you how important children were. The generation that came out of Egypt, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, with many of them, God was not well pleased. They fell into fornication. They criticized ministry. They murmured and complained. God said, their days are numbered. But God said, I'm not going to let their shoes wear out. I'm going to feed them. I'm going to keep their family intact because I'm after the children. And it was the children of that generation that came out of Egypt that actually went in and lived in cities they did not build, in homes they did not construct. They had fields that they did not domesticate. And that was the generation that Jesus or God took into the promised land. So you can be sustained and not blessed. I'd be very careful not to get into that not to get into that type of scenario. I'd say, God, you gave these kids to me. I'm giving these kids back to you. In fact, I can't do it without God. I don't have all the answers. I don't have the wisdom. In this day and age of complicated deals and, and this and that and this and the other, you've got to have Holy Ghost wisdom. You're not going to make it without the Holy Ghost. You're not going to make it with just a music program. You're not going to make My God, somebody help me right now. You've got to have the Word of God. You've got to have anointing. You've got to have a pulpit that's not afraid of God. That's what it's going to take. Not a government program, not government assistance, not some social program. You got to have a church. I'm going to say that again, not because I like the sound of my voice, but because it's the truth. You've got to have a church to raise a family. It takes a church to produce normal, balanced, healthy, godly children. Not all kinds of weird hang-ups and, and all kinds of weird stuff that, 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 that the, devil, the devil's able to get into their homes. But no, you have a man that's on the wall. He's the watchman. You have a mom that is the keeper of the house. And they say, devil, you ain't coming in here. You ain't coming in through their bedroom window. You ain't coming in through their cell phone. You ain't coming in through the computer. You ain't coming in through a big screen television. You ain't getting in here at all. Go ahead and clap your hands. We're here to help your kids. We got a revelation. The very first department in this church was Sunday school. Is Sister Sheila Grow here? Where are you, Sister Sheila? Are you here? Okay, there she is. 
God bless you, Sister Sheila. You will ever, forever, you will forever. And she put up with a lot. And I understand that. And then my wife took over and she did Sunday school. The very first two departments we had in this church was Sunday school and then youth. And that's the right way to do it. I had an usher. Um, we had an usher. But he had, he had the habit of falling asleep, falling asleep in service. I never forget, um, I told my wife, I said, honey, I have a message from God. I know it's from God. She said, oh, I can't wait to hear it. I, know, I believe it. I believe you've got a message from God. So here I am. I'm preaching. My, children, my son is three. My daughter is one. Sister Betsy Jester, Sister Betsy Jester told me, she said, Pastor, I have to catch a bus, so I'll be leaving right in the middle of service. Well, she didn't wait till the middle of church. She waited till after the offering was taken. And she curtsied and made her way out. And so it's my wife, my two children, and the usher is in the back of the church, and the chair he's on, he's got it leaned back on two legs, and his head is starting to do this. I felt like throwing something, but I got the Holy Ghost, and I just thought, devil, <laughs> because the message that God gave me to preach was, eventually, I'm going to be preaching to hundreds. We're not just staying in this little cell. Probably, we were in a room probably the size of this piece of carpet, this insert up here, and... Anyway, on the way home, I said, honey, I really felt like God gave me a message. She said, he did. It was for you. And so, husbands, listen to your wives. It's not in the Bible, but you know it's there anyway. A wise man will listen to his wife. Some of you that are really tough guys that don't think your wife's got anything going on between her ears, you married her. Trust me, she's... If she's got the Holy Ghost and she's in church, she's got a lot more going on than you think. And all the women say amen. That's so weak. That is so weak, I cannot go on. I refuse to go on. All the women say amen. I can now proceed. If you're a husband... If you're a father or a mother, you should be doing everything in your power to facilitate your children coming to Jesus. Not laziness, worldliness, tiredness, just impractical thinking, just being carnal. It, it, it's, it's, it's not right. Suffer not the little children to come unto me. There are certain places in the Old Testament where there are age requirements. It's, there's a plethora of places and various responsibilities in God's kingdom. The male babies were circumcised on the, on the eighth day on the eighth day. It specifies on the eighth day. The day of atonement, 
20 years old and upward were to come to the temple with an offering. The priesthood, you had to be 30 years of age. You had to be 20 years of age to be in the army, be in the military, to go to war. I've already mentioned this, but it's in my notes, and we're kind of going through this here here at Cornerstone, we have departments that are totally designed for the development of your children. Um, and there's more being added all the time. Brother um, Logan and Sister Carissa are doing a phenomenal job with our youth group. They, um, we met, I don't know, 30, 45 days ago, whatever it was, and talked about a program that they are putting together. And I was, um, I know that Brother Logan's not here, so you can repeat this for me, but I was very impressed to see the breadth and the scope um, of what this young couple wants to do with our young people. I'm not on a power trip. I don't have any, I said, you guys go for it. I want to tell you, if you will get out of the way and let your children move towards Jesus and facilitate that, God's going to take those kids and God is going to anoint them and you will be blessed the rest of your life. Come on, somebody. You will be blessed the rest of your life. You will be blessed the rest of your life. But to those that commit iniquity under the third and fourth generation is a curse to them that hate him. Iniquity is self-will. And God said, unto the third and fourth generation will I visit the children of them that were given to iniquity. Why? Why? Because God's going to make sure you see your great-grandchildren. Ladies and gentlemen, I didn't write this. This is raw. This is unadulterated. This is how God feels about his heritage. You'd rather take them to some car show or some goofy deal than going to the Bible quizzing or going to where the young people are, are doing something. God says, you just keep that up. You just keep it up. You just keep it up. You just keep it up. And then one day you're going to say, what happened? Where did I go wrong? This church is doing everything we can if you'll work with us to help your children be a supernatural, spiritual success in this life and in the life to come. Let's clap our hands and give God praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. I recently got a text message from somebody in this church, and I would never identify this for, it's not my intention to embarrass anybody. I'm just doing it as a reference point because it got me thinking about this on this one point. They were saying, Pastor, I just love what's going on. I appreciate everything that's going on, but I'm a little concerned that some of these babies are getting baptized too young. Now, that's very subjective. Like, I'm not I don't know how old these children were that wanted to see Jesus. They could have been just old enough to walk. They could have been two, three, four, five, six, seven. I, I don't know. They were, the Bible just says they were children. But 
I don't think that you can say that as though it's a subjective line in the sand by saying that all these, it has to be a certain age. I am a firm believer with what I'm seeing in this world and seeing the spirits that are manifested in this world that the sooner that we can get these children on board to understand the power of the gospel and the power of redemption and that there is a savior and that God is good, God is love, God will be with you every day of your life, I think we need to. First Corinthians chapter number seven and verse number 14 has a very interesting scripture. Of course, 1 Corinthians chapter number 7 is a very famous passage of script that's talking about the dynamics of marriage. But look at this verse here in verse number 14. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy? Now this is talking about this is talking about a blend a blended household. Okay? If I understand this scripture correctly, it is talking about the fact that there is a woman that's faithful to church that has an unbelieving husband. They have children. But the fact that that woman has a revelation of her responsibility means that her children are protected. Are you seeing that? Let's, let's read that again. Let's read that again. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. That's if the husband's saved and his wife isn't. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. God, this is God's deal. God is extending his protection and his provision in a blended family. That's how much God's after the children. That all it would take is one parent that is saved, that is doing their best, and God says, those children are holy. Isn't that awesome? I, I, I just think we should praise God for that. That's just, that's just God's style. His style is God's not looking to smite you with a fist. God's not looking to punish you. God's not looking to, to, to hurt you. God is so awesome. But even with this, Timothy, that was the first preacher on record raised in a blended family, his grandmother and his mother, Eunice and Lois, were faithful, but his father was a Gentile. This is a perfect introduction, a perfect Time to talk about this because of the faith of his grandmother and his mother, Timothy is now the pastor at Ephesus. 
Why is that such a big deal? That may not get many, that may not get anybody to even blink in the 21st century, but in, in that day and age, it was, it was very shunned for there to be a Jewish woman that was married to a Gentile, which is considered to be unclean. And so there's a divided household, but because the grandmother, don't, don't, don't check out on me. I'm still, I'm not, you're not going to be here real late tonight, but I got to talk about this stuff. Because we are bombarded with spirits and spiritual wickedness in high places and so much information that is absolute, complete, utter vanity. It is useless. It is worthless. It means nothing that when we come to the house of God, we've got to have solid understanding about who we are. This shouldn't bore us. This shouldn't, this shouldn't be negative. This shouldn't be hard. This shouldn't be uh, not easily uh, entreated or digestible. This should be, Pastor, this is exactly what the church needs in the 21st century. This is exactly what a church needs where there's young kids that have cell phones and they have smartphones and they're already connecting to the internet. They shouldn't even be on that stuff. Come on, somebody, clap your hands and give God the praise. The children are the heritage of the Lord. They're not even your property. Because there was a praying grandmother and because there was a praying mother, God had his hand on a Timothy. And now he's a pastor of the most thunderous church of Asia Minor. And Ephesus was, holds incredible supernatural and scriptural importance in the word of God. All because of a praying grandmother and a praying mother. The influence of a Gentile father did not stop God's plan on that young boy's life. If you're, if you're a husband here tonight and your wife's not here and your wife may not be 100% in the church, she does not have to determine the outcome of those children. Now, I'm not speaking evil. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just, ladies and gentlemen, this is, this is necessary preaching. You could have got a little Bible study on the Godhead and sat back there and said, yeah, I've heard that all before. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm going to tell you what, this is more than yeah, 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 yeah. This is confronting the spiritual wickedness in high places where you can't even call them a boy and a girl anymore without being prosecuted. I'm telling you, we're living in that kind of an hour. You better understand that that young life that's in your home, it belongs to God. They might be a pastor someday. They might be a missionary someday. They might be an evangelist someday. They might be an aisle runner someday. They might be a Sunday school teacher someday. But there's got to be at least one that's living for God with everything you got. Let's lift our hands and say, God, God, help me. Help me. Help me.
I do not know when this supernatural protection is afforded to a child that's being brought up in a blended home where the father or the mother, which, whichever one it is, is not on board. But at some point, diapers are going to turn into cotton briefs. And they're going to be putting their own socks and shoes on. And they're going to have to start making decisions and choices that they're going to be responsible for. Jesus was on his own in Jerusalem at the age of 12. I do believe that the more dedicated and consecrated the parents are, the earlier the indoctrination and the spiritual influence can be in a child's life. I'm going to repeat that again. I do believe, and we're talking about lifestyle, that the more dedicated and consecrated the parents are, the earlier or the younger the indoctrination can be in a child's life. Go to Deuteronomy chapter number six. Start out with a very familiar passage of scripture. Look at this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Somebody said amen. Look at the next verse. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. Everybody said amen. Look at the next verse. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart. Next verse. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Man, I remember we had prayer night on Monday nights. My wife would say, honey, that was a joke tonight. And I'd say, well, I understand. You know, Zach's here, and Ari's here. My wife and I are praying, and the kids are like, Mommy's touching me. Oh, it happens in my house too. Don't. Mom. So we have to quit praying, okay? You sit over here and you sit over here. We go back to praying, and Zach throws a pillow at her. Mom! But they saw their mom and dad praying. But they saw their mom and dad say, this is more important. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to encourage you. You can do this. You can do this. Shut your phone off. Put the magazine down. You got to understand who those kids are and who they belong to. My wife and I, we've laughed about some of the stuff that we put up with those kids. We used to have young men from this church come over to our house. Dude, I'm going to tell you what. I have never seen 
I have never, I, we should have had a Guinness Book of World Record contest. I've never seen, I've never seen potato chips go missing so quick is when you have a bunch of teenage guys come over. We opened our house up and, and some of the teenage guys from the youth group came over. And there was one guy in particular, he would eat, if there were Doritos, we, we could hide them. And they would take it upon themselves to find out where they were in that pantry. It's up here. It's behind that. Give me something to stand on. It's up here. It's way back. I can see it. It's way back there. Hold me. I'm going to fall. I got it. I got it. And bring a big, big jumbo-sized Doritos. It was Robert Navarro. Robert Navarro could eat a bag of Doritos faster than you could say escbialidocious. And they would eat. And they would eat the potato chips. You, you know what? You know what? You, you can't look at all that. Oh, I don't want the young people to come over because they may, they may eat the cookies. Hide them. Put them between the mattresses in your bed. They'll never look there. Of course, there may not be much of a cookie left. But here's my point. You can't look at the cost. All those guys are pastoring churches now. Robert Navarro, I don't know where he's at, but, but, but Jesse Gamboa is preaching today. And Aaron Mayo is pastoring a church. And Brother Jake Reed is one of our care pastors. You can't think about the price tag. You got, just got to say, the, I'm investing in the future. My God, I feel it all over me tonight. You, 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 you can't be one of these kind of, you can't be one of these kind of parents and say, oh, you know, we just can't afford it and, and we just can't. Go, go to URM and go in the frozen section and get the chicken tenders that are frozen. Dude, they're $1.99 for 50 of them and get a couple hundred of them and heat those things up, get a big bottle of ketchup if, the, if Brother Sergeant comes over with all of his boys and just have a party and say, you know what? You're, you're not running the streets. You're not listening to rap music. You're not worrying about what the movies are doing. You're in the place where we can talk about God. I wish I had some parents they can get a revelation. Instead of worried about, oh, well, I'm, you know, I just, I just want to sit around tonight. Yeah, you keep sitting around one night. You deserve it. You work all day. But if it's every night and now you're looking at excuses, now all of a sudden your kids want to go to some other household. And that's a household with a television blaring in the other room. And all of a sudden somebody's using profanity. And all of a sudden there's a beer can on the counter. No, 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 no. Somebody clap your hands and lift your voice. God deliver us. Come on, somebody shout with a voice to try and give God the praise right now. You're going to live years of regret over just a few moments of being inconvenienced. When we knew these guys were coming over, my wife had stock up on potato chips. Zach, my son Zach, is the only human being I've ever seen that we come home with $200 worth of groceries. He'd look through every bag and say, there ain't no food here. <laughs> he was looking for the kind of food that you could put in a microwave and it turned into a five-course meal. I don't even know where that was. But, but, but 
what we wanted these people. If you're going to hang out anywhere, I don't want my kids hanging out in some questionable home because I'm too lazy and the devil's got me doing some other stupid thing in my life. No, you come to my house. If Brother Reed is standing clapping his hands, every man in this church ought to be standing clapping your hands. If you're going to get together, get here where we can listen to preaching and we can talk about God and we can talk about your future. That's the kind of church you're in tonight. I don't need some sports team to do my job. I don't need some worldly high school sporting event to raise my children. My, my daughter was a champion cross-country runner and women's basketball player. She could beat any guy in this church. I was down in Tulsa last week and said even Brother Cody Marks had a hard time beating my daughter. And he didn't, he didn't argue. She was, the only one that gave her is a guy that's six foot six, Brian Will Chamberlain Hubble, that just could go like this and he's touching the rim already. The school sent my wife and I letters. They called us, please, please let your daughter compete. My wife and I said, she belongs to God. Not to the NCAA, not to the high school, not to the school district, not to the world, not to the God of this world. And look at her tonight. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. Your child is precious. Your child is invaluable. Your child is priceless. Hallelujah. Thou shall teach them diligently. Everybody said diligently. What does that mean? What does diligently mean? Diligently means you're on it. You're on it. You're all over it. You're all over it. I was so happy as a parent. Um, I'm trying to remember where, I think it was in the building across the street. My daughter got up without any kind of prompting. We had a um, testimony service. She got the mic. She said, you know, um, something I'm really thankful for is I never heard my mom and dad argue. I never heard my mom and dad talk about a person in the church. I never heard my mom and dad put somebody in the church down. I never heard, is, is that the kind of pastor you want and the pastor's home you want? If you guys aren't careful, you're going to end up sabotaging your own children by filling them. My God, I'm in the Holy, I am so in the Holy Ghost right now. You're going to put stuff in there that God can't get out. You're going to put stuff in there that nobody can get out. That they don't need to hear. 
And Ari was saying, I've never heard my mom and dad put down anybody in the church. I've never heard them um, gossip about anybody. I've never heard my mom and dad fight. We had disagreements. Are you kidding? You're not going to marry a Bertram and not have disagreements. But my wife and I made up our mind very early on. We are not going to be one way in this house and another way at church. I think I got your attention right now. This is exactly why some children will not make it, is they see a duplicity. They see one way living at home, then they do another way at church. And it may not be, it may not be a wall-sized screen television. It might just be what comes out of somebody's mouth. Ah, we got to take another offering, another building program. Yeah, another building program because we need more kids. We need more families. We need a bigger revival. I can't help it if nobody's ever dreamed this big. We are dreaming this big together. Clap your hands and give God the praise. If there's one child that's being raised out there that doesn't know God. Wow. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and they shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. Not, oh man, another offering, another revival. What do we need another building for? We need another building for the hundreds of people that God wants to save. This ain't just about us. Or whatever it is. Talking about another family. Talking about another person. Talking about the pastor. Right now we need to pray, brother, the esteemed genius among us, brother Kyle Gazande, and roasted preacher for dinner, whatever it was. You know, just cutting, cutting that big piece of meat off with a hacksaw, whatever it was. If you haven't heard that story, you are, you're being deprived of something really good. Talk about revival. Talk about the blessings. Not what the world's doing. Not what time your video game comes on. Because you ain't got nothing else to talk about. The cup is empty. The vessel is empty. It doesn't need to be that way. You get this thing going with God, you're going to be talking about this all the time. You'll be talking to yourself. It's okay to talk to yourself, just don't drool. If you drool, do not tell them you come to Cornerstone. Tell them you go to Eastern, State, Eastern Washington Hospital. I drive down the street praising God. Glory! If somebody was looking over at me, they'd say, somebody's excited today. You ever done that? That song, that song comes on the, the CD or whatever you got going there. And you start singing, you start praising God. There was, a, uh, this happened about, wow, 20 years ago. I pulled up as a stop sign. 
and I just had a little cheap cassette player, I don't know, Ford Taurus or something. You know, when you got it real loud, it started crackling. Guy comes up with the bass. The bass not only rattled his hubcaps, the bass was starting to rattle the fillings in my teeth. Boom. And so he just got up and turned that bass up, and I turned my little Walmart special up. I had that dude all the way over, man, where the speakers were just cracking. And he yelled a profanity when that light turned green and sped out of there. I said, devil, that ain't going to ruin my day. You ain't going to get me to turn this thing down. You could pull up here with a Rolls Royce. You could pull up here with a Lamborghini. I'm not ashamed. Oh, Jesus, help me. You shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Everybody said lifestyle. Everybody said lifestyle. I will not move to the next page till you say lifestyle. Now, I've got your attention. One more time. Thank you. A godly home. A godly home. A godly home. Um, for several moments here, let's talk about the age of accountability when children should be made aware of separation and modesty. In my pastoral opinion, as young as possible. By the time that your children are going to school, your daughter should be dressed modestly. Now listen, you need, you need to hear somebody that knows what they're talking about. The longer you wait, and it's just because parents are looking at this instead of looking at this. This ain't about you, mom and dad. This is about your children getting an understanding I am, as the pastor, I'm starting to see young girls that, in my pastoral opinion, are past the time that they should be running around in miniskirts. And I'm not saying that for any sensual reason. I'm saying it based on principle. That the, the younger that that child comprehends that I am God's property. It's mom, dad, listen to people that have done it. It makes your job much easier when they're teenagers. See, you think you got it all together. When your kid's gonna become teenagers, your hair is gonna be standing straight up like the dude in Motley Crue. 
you're, you think you know your kids. Your children are going to start emerging biologically, physically, mentally, and personally into their own people when they become teenagers. This is why you should get them on track now instead of letting some style from a schoolmate. Come on, somebody. If, if you're not apostolic, I understand that. But if you're really on your way to heaven and you really understand what that book says and you really understand the value of a child, devil, you are not gonna get him. You are not gonna, you're not gonna get him in a midnight hour through a text message. There are people that are adults today that are paying the price for sneaking, rebellion, disobedience. You can't blame all that on a parent. I got your attention now, and it needs to get quiet right now. I have never preached a message like this before, but you wanna know what? We are not gonna get to the next level as a, as a congregation until we embrace this. Like this is the real deal. All the, all the junk in my life, that's not me. This is really where I need to be. This is where I want to be. This is where I hope to be. This is where I pray to be. This is where I long to be. You can't let the devil and your flesh convince you that you're disqualified from being this over here. No, 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 no. If you've got a child, then God believes in you. If you've got a little baby, then God trusts you. If you've got a little baby, then God says, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. I will give you wisdom. But you got to pray. You gotta really believe this thing. Come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. I'm seeing some young men, and I'm not trying to rebuke moms and dads. I'm trying to offer you some very solid, Biblical, spiritual teaching that your children should understand modesty and separation as young as possible. Oh, pastor, they're just three years old. I understand. But by the time they're in school, if you're saying we just cannot afford modest dress, You cannot let the excuse for worldliness and looseness be that you cannot afford it. Prioritize it. And my recommendation is, is that every time you get paid, you get an article of clothing that's modest and you get rid of one that represents a childhood that's behind them until their entire wardrobe now represents their age. We're trying to help. Pastor, we just don't have the money. I understand. I understand that. I've been poor. 
But there's some things that are more important than other things. And I'm, I am trying to get it through to some of our precious parents here. That are you okay with a family gathering where you could have made an impact and could have made a difference? And could, if, if you had been somewhere else in the spirit instead of some carrying over of an immature chip on your shoulder that said, nobody's going to tell me what to do. These are my kids. And now when you have family gatherings, you're staring at tattoos you're staring at all kinds of things that are against your convictions. I know you can't answer when they're when they're an adult that they're they're paddling their own canoe. But when they're in your power, you ought to say, for the next ten years, I am going to drive it so deep. I'm going to get it down there so far. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to pray against a devil that's going to get on them. I'm going to pray against the world that's going to try to get them. I'm going to pray against. There is no age of accountability with some of these things. It is the discretion and the determination of the parents. And ladies and gentlemen, and I know this is raw, and I'm not trying to be raw to be offensive. I'm trying to draw very straight lines right now because we need clarity. We don't need to go home and, well, you know, I, I'm just amazed by some of the excuses people come in. You know, the pastor didn't exactly say, I know he said this. Ladies and gentlemen, if you need every little thing dotted, what about the principle of it? I'd rather live by the principle of it than somebody saying you can or you cannot. I'm going to live my life according to the principle of the word of God. And I want my children to understand we are separated because we are God's people. We are not like everybody else. This shouldn't be hard. This is talking about our kids. The greatest resource God has for end time revival is not some old codger like me that's 68 years old, but it's these guys right here. It's, it's your young children. That is the promise to the next generation. And a worldly church will never impact their society. Most of the problem in Pentecost today is not the children. It's coming from a generation that wants worldliness. It's not the children. It is the parents' responsibility to set the course and set the direction. It should not be the responsibility of the pastor to pastor your children. It should not be the responsibility of the Sunday school teacher. Your children should learn to behave at home. Dude, you don't just take, you don't just take a marker or a crayon and just start drawing on the, on, on the walls of your home. Is that okay in your house? You don't bring your children to church 
to learn to behave. There's people, there are people, there are people that have already checked out on me tonight. You want to know why? Because it's already convicted you. But I am, this is not in condemnation. This is in preservation. I love the story that my wife's brother tells and went to a church and, man, you think I'm strict. Man, his church was so strict, men couldn't have tassels on their shoes. I'm not preaching against that. That that man's going to have to stand before God, you know. I'm just telling you. But they were all from Michigan. Her brother told me the story that he got out of the car and they were talking to the pastor. Pastor asked him a question. He said, yeah. He said, young man, look at me. Yeah. What, were you born in a barn? It's yes, sir, around here. To people that don't comprehend. I, I, know that, I know that sounds raw. That sounds raw to me. And I, and I say yes, sir, and, and yes, ma'am, to everybody. Even people in this church. But you have to understand the principle behind that that recognizes that's authority. You see... If you don't have your authority in your home and you're not really the parent, then the first thing that's going to happen is there's going to be a teacher that runs smack headfirst into that child. And I don't care how perfect your kids are. If they don't understand authority, it's because you have the parents have taught them you don't have to listen to those people. You don't have to listen. Ladies and gentlemen, I taught my kids it doesn't matter if it's the policeman. It doesn't matter if it's a teacher in an elementary school. You, you submit yourself to them. They are in authority. But it starts at home. There's too many parents trying to be the friend of their children instead of being the parent that said, no, you ain't going to have that. You ain't going to that place. Well, I'm afraid that they won't love me, and so I'm trying to be their friend. Yeah, you need to go pray through somewhere and understand your yay needs to be yay, your nay needs to be nay, and those children, when they get older, they're going to say, I know it was tough, I know it was hard, but thank you. I was raised right. I got the right values. I've got the Holy Ghost. I'm on my way to heaven. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Man, when's the last time you heard of somebody getting their mouth washed out with soap? Dude, I want to tell you, I, my grandmother was 100% Irish. You couldn't, you couldn't even use euphemisms around her. Darn. What'd you say? You get over to that sink. And she used lava soap. Remember lava? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you ain't going to be talking for the next couple of days, but you learned a big lesson right there, I promise you. You can drink 100 glasses of water, ain't going to get that taste out of your mouth either. We're talking about being an apostolic parent, not just sloppy, 
not having clear lines. And a lot of times parents don't have clear lines for their own life. And you have kids raising kids. And I'm not saying this to put anybody down, but you need to understand I'm part of something that's eternal. I'm part of something that's from another world. I'm part of something, all you got to do is start reading the Old Testament and see that God is e, 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 but the blessings come down, the praises go up, we are a blessed people. When your children come to church, they should be washed. They should be, hair should be combed. They're coming to the house of God, not going to a ball field. Big stains on their clothes and dirty faces, hair's not even combed. What are you teaching them? I'm telling you what you're teaching them. You're not teaching them. You're just letting them know that wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, come on, we're going. No, 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 no. I remember. Honey, I will go to my grave and I will remember some of the things that you did for our kids that people would think hours before church, my wife would be getting those kids ready for church. And my kids were not allowed, oh, they're the pastor's kids, they can just run all over. All I had to do was give the death ray. When I gave them that death ray, I was a full-time evangelist. You think pastors put up with my kids, three and one-year-old, just running around? Here's wallpaper, just tear it off. Here's a crayon, just go ahead and mark it, up, mark up the pew and get that toy that's got sharp edges on it. Just run it all over where he can scratch stuff up. Thou oughtest to know how thou oughtest to behave. Behave, behavior. Lifestyle, deportment, decorum, values, principles. Well, pastor, you're in the 21st century. No one's going to believe this. Hogwash. You get full of the power I've got, and you'll say, whatever you want, God, I'm happy to do it. But some old carnal, get my way, manipulate do whatever I want to do. I want to tell you what, there's no revival in it. There's no power in it. There's nothing but regret and sorrow by sloppy living where nobody takes the helm and says, bless God, I've got a responsibility. I've only got one life to live. These are my children. They're going to live for God. Devil, you can't have them. Carnality, you can't have them. Loose living can't have them. Sloppiness can't have them. They're valuable to me. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Go to 1 Timothy 3.15. I'm almost done. But if I tarry, the apostle Paul saying, if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Honey, you don't take that marker and mark up the carpet. You're not supposed to be feeding your children in church. You're not supposed to have anything in here but water. Make your kids sit on the pew. Oh, pastor, I'm just not that kind of a parent. Well, at what point are they going to learn to sit there and listen to the word of God? 
as early as possible. In our building across the street, we had major issues with people that just said, you know, I'm just, I just got to turn my kids loose. You're out of control as a parent. Well, I don't believe in spanking my children. Well, why don't you just do it the Bible way? Use a rod. Oh, you know more than God. Yeah, I forgot. You're, you're smart. You know more than God does. I'm going to tell you what. God says you can knock the hell out of them. It's in the book. I'm not into abuse. I'm not into somebody that can't control their temper. I'm not into somebody that doesn't pray. I'm not into somebody that doesn't know the value of God's word. But a parent every once in a while has to say, you're not going to, you're not going to just run around and not understanding where you're at, not understanding what's happening, not understanding that's the man of God, not understanding these are the people of God, not understand this is God's property. You're going to reap a whirlwind. And then you're going to get bitter and blame everybody else. Well, the pastor just didn't make it plain. I don't know how I can make it any plainer than this tonight. We're talking about the age of accountability. Mom, you have, to, you have to be the age of accountability until they're old enough to make the right decisions. But if they've been allowed to do whatever they want to do and smart off and backtalk and, and, and abuse privileges and destroy. At what point are they going to straighten up? Well, I, I need the Sunday school teacher. No, because you're going to take the side of your kids. Well, I need the pastor. No, because you're going to take the side of your kids. And what happens is they bump into every authority figure until now it's the police, until now it's a judge, until now they're in jail, until now there's no getting them back. Some stuff's just too sloppy. Behave in the house of God. Children are allowed to be one way at home and one way at church. Go to Proverbs 22 and 6, and I'm at the finish line. Train up a child. The word train here means to initiate, to discipline. It literally encompasses the word narrow. Keeping it real tight. Keeping things real tight. Train up a child. Early in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, I'm sitting in my chair, and I'm looking out the window, and I'm living with my regrets. 
would I do different if I had the opportunity to do it all over again? A lot. I come here tonight with my heart full of love, full of conviction over the value of one soul, one child, one family, and the preservation of this great truth. Come here, Miles. Come on up here. There's not many things that can reduce me to absolute rubble, but this can. Not over my dead body. Let's stand. There's some that are among us here tonight. There's some that aren't here tonight that I wish were here, but that's, that's a common lament of mine as a pastor in the 21st century. I really encourage everybody to take heed to this. Minimize your mistakes while you can, because you're gonna make mistakes, it's part of living. You're gonna make mistakes as a, as a parent. But you can minimize those mistakes. Let's lift our hands and just pray. Brother Jordan, you wanna come just kinda of play something? All the parents, let's pray. God knows we need grace. We need mercy. We need his loving kindness. He loadeth us daily with benefits so that we can be what we're supposed to be. And now that precious lives are looking to us, God help me. God help me. And God will. Come on, let's pray. And God will. And God will. You know, this altar's open. Maybe somebody wants to come and Consecrate and dedicate. Dig down a little deeper. It's not, if you don't come to the altar, it doesn't mean anything. But if you want to come, you're welcome. Let's just pray. Let's just pray.